Hello and welcome to Integrating Chinese Medicine with the Dow Health. I'm Elizabeth Cullen. And I'm Georgia Fong. And we are traditional Chinese medicine practitioners and acupuncturists. We are your hosts, providing an educational platform for practical ways to integrate Eastern medicine into your Western lifestyle. Throughout this podcast series, we will be discussing the benefits of getting to know our bodies in a practical sense and how to be an advocate for your own health. Leah Sindrick from Skin by Leah Sindrick has been a nurse for over eight years, worked as a nurse for three of those years, mainly with the surgical critical care realm, and then pivoting to cosmetic nursing for the past six years. This was always an underlying passion for Leah, and she started her own business in the cosmetic industry, which has been truly inspiring, challenging, and mostly rewarding. Placing importance of medical knowledge, critical thinking, analysis, and the want to educate and empower clients is her mantra. Each person is unique and different. We can't all be treated the same, whether it be with skincare, treatments, and even internally. Holistic care has always come into play with consultations and ongoing client care. We hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we did. All information in the podcast Integrating Chinese Medicine with the Dow Health is for educational purposes only and was relevant at the time of recording. We recommend for any individual symptoms, personalised diagnosis and treatment to see a registered health practitioner. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Okay, and welcome back for episode two of season two for 2022. We have a very special guest today, Leah Sindrick from Skin by Leah Sindrick has come in to chat all things skin. Such, such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here on this gorgeous rainy day in Sydney. Bit so here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Yep. Okay. So, Leah, what skin product and therapy have you been loving as we've been coming to 2022? Um, I feel like in 2022, there's been a really big shift already. I'm not quite sure if people are across this mm. on socials and TJ advertising. So I do feel like there's going to be a lot um, of new things we see through socials all about, you know, beauty and skin and health. And one of those big things is sunscreen. And I do feel like sunscreen is something that's becoming more and more prevalent in skincare and how we can use sunscreen. And I think that's just all because it's such better quality products. Mm. And it's actually kind of a shame, you know, that maybe people aren't going to be able to freely talk about sunscreens as maybe it's what they have had perhaps in the past. Mm. But I know myself just with clients, like people always bring up talking about sunscreen. And I think that's so important because a few years ago it was kind of like a oh, sunscreen, why would I bother with that? And at least now it's come to the forefront of everyone's minds, I guess. So I think in terms of products, like that's huge. Finding something that doesn't break your skin out, doesn't irritate your skin is what I think is going to be definitely becoming more important, I guess, like trending in that sense. Um, But I guess like other things I have noticed is more about your skin's microbiome. So how our skin works, how it's balanced and using products that are going to help with that mm. so when our skin's microbiome is like out of whack you're going to notice that you know your skin barrier is impaired so redness inflammation dryness irritation mm. so using products that have things like probiotics in there have okay. become a really big thing so in topical skin. probiotics yeah topical probiotics yeah, cool. like it's cool. i refer it for clients who 
have acne yeah, yeah. from people who also have really bad inflammatory skin conditions okay. it's all about that healthy barrier of your skin basically yeah, and right. i know you guys know the same thing with the gut so yeah. it's the same type of concept with the skin if your skin's you know out of whack and imbalance that's when those types of probiotics and that microbiome can be helped I'm so interested about what the strains would be that would differ from the ones we yeah. recommend internally for skin. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, um, that's going to be fascinating hearing what comes out this year. Yeah, there's really more cool. and more. Like one of them, it's a US brand that I stock called Cosmetics. Yeah. They've got a couple. Like there's one that's a serum, Marie, that's purely just more of like an overnight, like hydration calming serum okay. that's mainly probiotic based but they've right. got a few other things that are coming out now with probiotics too yeah, and even really the cool. skin kneeling device that i use um they formulated all their aftercare products based on balancing skin microbiome post treatments oh wow okay yeah so it's all kind of come become yeah it's gonna be a game changer yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, yeah amazing yeah imagine the outcomes that we're going to get by using topical probiotics as well as internal, internal probiotics yeah yeah at least it's like a nice kind of you know, homeostasis all, yeah. all throughout, I guess. Yeah. 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 Happy microbiome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, Leah, let's start with women's arch nemesis acne. Yes. Can you please give us a background on types of acne? Sure. So we can split it into two. There's non-inflammatory acne. So that's things like your blackheads. So they're clogged pores. So basically hair follicle, they get dirt and debris that gets trapped inside of there. Um, with a blackhead, it oxidizes so it looks black and that's called an open comedone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then with a white head, that's where your hair follicle once again becomes clogged where the skin closes over. So there's no oxidizing, nothing looks black. Mm-hmm. And you okay. get that little white head. Okay. So that's known as your closed comedone. So they're your two non-inflammatory acnes. Okay. Um, and then we move into inflammatory acne. So we've got pustules, papules, cysts, and nodules. Right. Um, so when you get into cysts and nodules is obviously when it becomes a bit more of a deeper issue. Yeah. Um, that's when it's deeper into the dermal tissue. Um, you know, hair follicles can rupture, become damaged. That's when you notice scarring involved as well. Yeah. Your papules and pustules, um, you know, they've got more like the bacteria and the pus inside of them. Yeah. Um, so I guess then when you're kind of grading acne, there's four main grades of acne. So grade one's kind of just your non-inflammatory. So probably what you know most people notice throughout like their cycle or if they haven't washed their makeup off properly, that you can have some of those. I guess blackheads. Yeah. Um, grade two is a, um, a mixture of inflammatory and non-inflammatory. Yeah. Grade three is when you're starting to get those severe acne lesions, okay. and then you've got your grade four, which is your cystic. Cystic acne. Yeah, which is I guess then from you know people notice that with PCOS and hormonal changes as well. So um, they can all kind of blend in. Like you know, I see clients that have really bad blackheads, but then also really bad cystic acne. And it's kind of just working out what's, yeah, the combination of what's happening internally. And I guess at the end of the day, it's all sebaceous activity. It's oil, what's being cleansed, what's not coming off the skin, what's being used, what they're putting on like internally into their body as well. Okay. And so with the difference between inflammatory Mm. and non-inflammatory acne, yeah. if we were talking about hormonally driven acne, can that be a combination of both? Potentially, yes. We're probably going to find that's more. I would say more your inflammatory, inflammatory acne, yeah, because okay. that's more. It's that little bit deeper. There's more, yeah. like it's more um, oil production that's happening through your glands, okay, and yeah. that can be driven through hormones. Yeah, hormones, yeah. stress, all that can obviously like drive. 
and aggravate the inflammatory, yeah. inflammatory acne. More yeah. blackheads and I can probably a bit of a whitehead can kind of maybe lay through. I'd find that more maybe go towards your hormonal. Okay. Yeah. But I'd say blackhead is more like lifestyle and pore size and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And what's been on your skin, you know, um, environmental factors and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can that also be ethnically as well? Have yeah. They, they have I, some. Yeah. Some people, I guess, um, backgrounds they probably are more prone to perhaps being oilier than others or having larger pore sizes yeah i guess larger pore sizes already kind of correlate with more oilier skin yeah like yeah. historically anyway yeah um like you do like i do find that that it ranges through different racial backgrounds to mm. what skin can kind of look like yeah um and i guess what yeah sits with them more yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess genetics would pay, play a role in that as oh, well. Oh, huge. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I feel like, like myself, I had quite bad acne growing up. Like I went to Rakatane. That's a whole other situation in itself. But like my mom didn't really have bad acne, neither did my dad. But then like my cousin had terrible acne. So yeah, I don't know scattered. if it's, yeah, I don't think I'd actually link that much genetically. Okay. Um, yeah. Like potentially, but I feel like there's not that much of a, you know, of course, yeah. I'd say more. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. if there is insulin dependence or resistance, yes, yeah. um, and that's genetic. So, say if there's the tendency for like type 2 diabetes that you might yes. see in a parent, and then a daughter then has PCOS, I guess yeah. that's where you could see it genetically. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Or even if, if mum has PCOS too, yeah, then that could filter down, to yeah, like her daughter, too. yeah, yeah. So, do they say PCOS is? Genetic. Can be genetic. Can really? Be genetic. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess that's kind of where a correlation of skin conditions would come then. Yeah. If that was, we're looking on that side of things. Yeah. Because if there's that endocrine disruption, yes. then it can play out in many different ways. But hormonally, you'll see it as PCOS most likely. Yeah. So, well, that's something yeah. that I've definitely noticed is more and more people coming in with acne, then they go get things investigated and they've got endo or PCOS. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. So if we talk about things that can aggravate women's yes. acne, um, what would we be surprised by? Um, I don't know if it's anything that's too surprising, but I think mm. that people, as soon as they notice their skin's having breakouts again, or the first thing that everyone wants to do is just like basically scrub their skin off <laughs> and put anything and everything yeah. that's going to burn their skin. Yeah. Like people are like, burn it. I want to feel the sting when, you, <laughs> when I'm doing a chemical peel. It's like, if there's no sting, it doesn't work. And I'm like... That's not how this works. Yeah. Because yeah. inflammation, if you've got inflammatory acne, inflammation it's going to make it worse. Yeah. So it's all about kind of calming rather than like scrubbing it off with like a physical scrub or going too hard with an acid or yeah. too much benzoyl peroxide, you know, those 10 different products. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Skin, I think yeah. that's the thing. I think it's more people just go straight into like, how can I fix this? Shove everything onto my skin that I've ever seen my whole entire life. But it's yeah. kind of actually take a step back scale things down and you probably notice that it's going to help so much more mm. um i guess frictions become a really big thing lately um with mask wearing yes oh, so yeah mask me so mm. i think it's just yeah the, i notice a lot of congestion on people's chins and jaw lines mm. and also cheeks where your mask sits the yeah, straps. yeah yeah so anything to do with friction is going to cause obviously destruction with the hair follicles and the oil oh, and that's going to cause breakouts that's i think um people are like why is this always happening and i'm like Think about what we've been doing for the past two years. Yeah. We have not taken a mask off for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to cause the congestion on the chin. Um, and I think people also forget in terms of like aggravating acne is cleaning your makeup brushes. 
yes. regularly. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's yeah. what I like, yeah. what, once a month. I probably do it more often, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's just you think about how much bacteria is like yeah. on your skin, yeah. and you're putting it into your makeup and then putting it back oh, onto yeah. your skin. Yeah. So, so I true. think it should always be like weekly, fortnightly, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, okay. I you know. Tend to do this. <laughs> I could push myself. I probably could do that. I say you're a but no i think that's one thing that you just ask is like do you think you make up brushes regularly like oh i'm like yeah you should start doing that and then yeah. it's also if you're going into makeup it's like not going like choosing mineral makeup based you know over yeah. you're really thick especially if you're only going to work it's like you know at least choose a mineral makeup if you want to have a full yeah. face going out in the weekend chuck your max studio fix on whatever you yeah, want to do yeah. i don't know yeah but i think um yeah mineral base is always going to help a yeah. little bit more than okay. having a really thick yeah yeah makeup on i was yeah. finding the mask knee was just getting so bad mm. that i just stopped wearing makeup to work because yeah. i was just finding mm. that it was just yeah yeah clogging so much and um i just found changing the mask every four hours was the only thing that would really help, help but yes. still the breakouts would happen yeah well, like i just kind of accepted it hey. yeah 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 but I think that's just i know with me for work i was just like doing eye makeup that was it so yeah. at least i looked a yes. little bit jazzy and a bit yeah. nice behind me up you just yes. do, just do your brows <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It. it's a game changer bit of mascara yes. <laughs> i think this is covered anyway exactly yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. sure yeah. <laughs> Okay, so there's multiple pieces of advice about managing mm. acne in the dermatology world. It does become very difficult for everyone yes. to navigate, I believe. So what is your treatment approach on managing acne and what are our expectations of treatment? Yeah, so I think um, I kind of touched on it already is less, is yeah. way more. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, choosing quality products over quantity of products. Like yeah. I kind of cringe when I hear people say they're doing like six or, you know, six steps each day. And I'm like, why? How do you have so much time to do this? And there mm. is a lot of studies to show that the more you put on your skin, the less it's going to become absorbed. So okay. you, you don't want to be layering too many products. And the things that's like, you know, if you're using certain products and you lay it on first, are people actually doing that properly? Like you've got all these products, but they actually, they're being used correctly. Mm. And that's, you know, if you've got issues with acne, I think it's just keeping it really simple. Use like a nice cinnamide, like a vitamin B3, helps with your oil function control. It also helps like with microbial. Um, retinol is obviously a gold standard when it comes to acne because mm, yeah. um, it's going to help with obviously excess oil and sebaceous activity. Um, and then you can obviously dip into things like your BHA and AHA acids, like your salicylics and your lactic. So I think like a combination of all of those is really important. And then also looking at like adding those kind of probiotics into skincare as well, just more for that calming. Because when it comes to treating, it's like you obviously want to help with you know, um, decongesting the excess oil internally that are in the glands. You also want to calm the skin too. Like there's no mm. point trying to over-inflame it. Mm. You're going to have more problems down the track. Um, yeah. And then once that's kind of calm, then you can treat and correct the skin. Mm. Um, so it's kind of keeping a bit more basic. Just, you know, I would kind of go more towards doing um, like chemical-based peels, like nothing mm. too strong, and maybe mixing it in with like maybe a little bit of your blue light from an LED. Okay. That's helping mm. with your P-acne bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you had active acne, I'd be steering clear from probably doing skin needling. Okay. If it was really proper like inflammatory acne, like if you had cystic, I wouldn't quite be, angry. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be going near that. Once again, the needles, it's causing inflammation in the skin. And it would be your risk of infection as well. Yeah, well, theoretically, yes. I read a few things that kind of go back and forth about oh, whether it would spread yeah bacteria like when i had um a training day one like day with the person who actually created the skin pen the device that i oh, used for cool. needling um he's from the states 
he turned around and was like, if it's only your kind of more grade one, grade two acne, so think a little bit of more um, whiteheads, blackheads, maybe a couple little papule ones, like the whiteheads with the red ring, that's, okay. that's those types of acne. He goes, they would be fine, but it's more if you had your cystic deeper that you just want to kind of steer clear from because they're already creating damage in the skin. There's no point trying to create more damage around them. Yeah, because that would exacerbate the breakouts. Yeah, exactly. Just inflame them more. Inflammation and more inflammation is not going to help with inflammation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not going to help it. If anything, it will kind of make it worse. Um, So I think less is more. And I also believe, you guys are probably in the same position too, any good practitioner knows when to refer. And if you're stuck with someone that's, you know, I kind of say to clients, like, give me three to six months yeah and if we're not noticing a difference by three months i'm going to refer you on to someone so whether that's like you know it's also gauging the client as well like if Mm -hmm. they're doing nothing internally for their body i'm like well you know there are so many things that can be happening and causing this like why don't you go look at other causes like don't always just go oh i've been eating pretty well this month i've been trying to exercise drink more water it's like Mm. what else is going on internally so it's about looking everything as a whole rather than just going oh this is what i can do topically which yes i can there's only so much i can do and then it's knowing when to refer when you're out of your depth. I think that's really important too. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. And we know that skin is the largest organ. Exactly. So, you know, your internal health is going to reflect on your skin. Yeah. Mm. Like they say your gut's like your second brain, so it kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And I think for us, when we're treating, we know our scope of practice. Yes. So yeah. when someone comes to me and they've got acne, I'm like, I can do everything internally, yeah. but I have no idea what you're meant to be using on your skin. And exactly. I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's outside your scope of practice, yeah. right? And, yeah. That's and then we know how to refer to. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the biggest thing about being the healthcare professional. Like, you should know your boundaries. You know, and you should yes. know yes. when. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing step of practice is so, so important. Yeah. And that's always what I've done with nursing is just that's what you're always taught is know your step of practice yeah, and refer fantastic. on when you need help. Yeah. So you can't do everything. No. no. <laughs> Almost. But not everything. But we shouldn't be expected to. No. And I think it's one of those things where a team is always better. Because exactly. especially with skin, because if you're treating, so say for us, we're treating internally and we're supporting the skin to heal and to reduce those inflammatory breakouts. But yes. we do, we need your support to be able to clear the skin. Exactly, the topical side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's where we'll reassure patients. And just like you said, you know, it takes time. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's the hardest part too, especially when it's you've got patience. problematic skin. Yeah. Mm. Because you do you want you just want to get it fixed. And yeah. You do. You you put anything that you can find on social media or you know at the chemist or someone of a friend's recommended yes. something. And you'll say, Okay, I'll try that. But you don't actually give it enough time to actually allow the skin to yeah. heal. Shopping mm. and changing probably is another big thing that I say to clients that you need to commit to products. Yeah. yeah. For a minimum six to eight weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't use something for four weeks and then be like, mm, she's not doing much. I'm going to change on something different. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 you've actually got to go through the process. Like, things take time. They take yeah. time. Yeah. So it's not about just, you know, giving it four weeks and jumping off. It's like you've got to actually see the product through and then review and then figure out whether we're changing something different or steering different paths. Like, you can't, yeah. yeah. For sure. And I think it's important to consider if a woman isn't on contraception and she does have a regular menstrual cycle, you're not going to have a clear indication of how skin product is working over one month. No, exactly. And that's what I see a lot with people like, oh, my skin was great after I saw you for my pill for a few weeks. And then, you know, the week before my cycle, the week after my skin split up again, I'm like, well, that's normal too yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, well, that brings us to our next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here at the Dow, we are strong advocates mm. that perfect skin throughout the month for menstruating women is an unfair expectation throughout our follicular and luteal phase. So Leah, what is your opinion? Is perfect skin a realistic or unfair expectation, which I think we just touched a little yeah, bit on? Yeah, I, um, I think people put too much pressure on themselves these days to have mm. this like beautifully flawless filtered skin. Um, and look, it's important to have healthy skin yes like that I'm totally an advocate for that but I'm not like I feel like it's really hard when people put so much pressure on themselves like oh my pores look a bit big here or you know it's a bit bumpy here and it's like that's kind of normal like getting one breakout before your period or after is normal like you know I just had one pop up on my chin a couple of days ago and I knew that okay well period's coming in a couple of days it's like period pimple yeah. it's my like yeah. little friend and yeah. like yeah. just boy- supporting you and letting exactly. you know your period's on yeah time. it's like it's coming good like congratulations it's month you know yeah. we've all been waiting we've all been so and like my boyfriend will make jokes being like oh you got a postcode on that thing yet like you know so it's just you have to be a little bit easier on yourself and I do mm. find that yeah, it's an unrealistic expectation, but it's also like I totally understand when people want to feel better about their skin yeah. and they're picking at little things and I totally understand the need to feel like it looks healthy and, you know, it's glowing and you feel good from the inside and it shows on the outside as well. So yeah. I think it's, yeah, I don't think that to have completely picture-perfect, flawless, filtered skin is a, you know, a realistic expectation. I think people need to be a little bit kinder on themselves because a lot of things that you see around people have obviously got filters on or, yes. you know, they've got the capacity to go visit dermatologists and doctors and have treatments done all the time and that's not yeah. always, you know, And then up on the pill as yeah. well. You yeah. know, if, if they're on contraception and they don't have a regular cycle, that makes a big difference as yeah. well. Yeah, so yeah. So I think it's just, yeah, everyone needs to be a bit kinder. So let's talk about the three types of pigmentation. Mm-hmm. So from sun damage to melasma to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, what is realistic management? Does it come to a point of acceptance to a degree? And does getting to know your triggers if you're prone to inflammation help? Sorry, it's a big question. But <laughs> <laughs> pigmentation's a lot. Pigmentation has a lot to it. So yeah. Um, I can start from the top and go down. So sun damage, obviously we know what's causing sun damage is the sun. So we've got our UVA, UVB rays. UVA, I kind of relate it to, like, think of A for aging, B for burning. Mm. Um, Yeah, Yeah. it's a really simple way of remembering what rays are doing what. Mm. Um, So obviously sunscreens help and protect that. You can use things like antioxidants, things like vitamin Cs, vitamin Bs in general, help with free radicals, which would be more like your UVA type of, you know, um, yeah, yeah. A for yeah. aging, B for burning. Yeah. Yeah. And sunscreen <laughs> has both UVA and UVB. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, sunscreen. Yes. Does it need to be above thirty? Above thirty. Yeah. Would you recommend closer to fifty, or within that range is fine? Within that range is fine. I think if you're obviously in the dead of the summer, going down to the beach, fifty plus. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's uh, is it. It's a two to three percent difference in coverage when it comes to thirty to fifty percent. So it's not a huge, huge difference. Okay. Yeah. But it's enough, you know, in the heat of the summer. Heat of the summer. Yeah. yeah. And so if you've got makeup on, yeah. Do you put sunscreen over the top of that to reapply? Like, say, for example. Yes, that was going to be my question. Mm-hmm. Are we reapplying throughout the day? Because in the clinic, 
Yes. There's sunlight. And sometimes I think of the sun being like, I put my SPF on before work, but halfway through clinic, I'm not thinking about putting it back on in the peak of the sun of the day. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about that? There's a couple of ways. Like there are now your um, mineral kind of um, sunscreens that you can get like in brushes Mm. as well. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's a few of those around. You just got to make sure that they're regulated properly because a little bit of a, a burn sorry people um makeup and sunscreen if it's a 30 plus it's not it's probably a 15 yeah so makeup yeah. has different regulations to your pure sunscreen so if you're looking at your mineral like your um bb cream it's 50 plus it's probably not okay. um, because they go through a different regulatory aspect than what proper sunscreens do so confusing so it's hard yeah because people are like oh my makeup's got 50 plus I'm like but it doesn't yeah. um so you need to make sure it's a true sunscreen because otherwise it doesn't have the same tga laws yeah. as what probably makeup does okay so that's how they can kind of bypass the sunscreen very cheap yeah. yeah um like not look not all of them but a lot of them especially like your usa based um products as well okay. because they okay. don't have the same rating system as what australia does with sunscreen okay yeah. like i knew like a few years ago like we stocked so many different sunscreens and all of a sudden they were just stripped off the shelves and they came back months later and they were all downplayed massively. Like some became oh, wow. um, blah, blah, blah with zinc. Like it didn't actually yeah, have right. a rating anymore. That's quite dangerous. Yeah, yeah, so more your cosmeceutical sunscreens, I guess, or your true sunscreens, they will then re-regulate them. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think when you've got it under a makeup side of things, it, it, it doesn't have to go kind of combine fast that a little mm, bit. Okay. Um, so, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the brush ones are there. If you can find a couple that are, I think, colour science do a really good one. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, I've just seen people literally just have to, like, reapply or just mix it into makeup and do it again. Okay. Or, you know, it just depends on how much makeup you're wearing. It's a hard one to kind of go, oh, I'm going to transition from day to night and put more sunscreen yeah, on. Tricky. Yes. It is tricky. We even um, said we'll wear a hat. You know, we'll be like walking home with a hat. <laughs> yes, yeah, make sure like you've just always got, got something yeah. continuously protected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say yeah, you could just, but it's just hard because I you would then just probably put it on just like your liquid, and then if you yeah. want to top up like with a bit of you know bronzer or like blush, you can do that again. Mm, yeah, but that's just sunscreen. It's every four hours you've got to kind of reapply anyway when you're outside. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> So sun damage, obviously, um, it's, there's obviously lots of different factors when you're treating sun damage with pigment, um, but it's kind of a little bit more forgiving. Like there are a fair few more options that you have in terms of treatment from chemical-based peels to skin kneeling to a variety of different lasers. Um, you know, you've got IPO lasers to your proper CO2 lasers that can treat sun damage mm-hmm. yeah. really safely. Okay. Um, but, you know, people that also have sun damage have underlying vascular problems. So the redness, so you've got to kind of treat it in twofold. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of sun damage, probably made, like probably one of the easier ones to treat, to mm-hmm. be honest, because, okay. you know, there's no underlying melasma problems, which we can get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think realistic management if you're going to be going back out into the sun, I think it's just with all pigment, you need to be realistic. Yeah. If you're someone that's going to completely abstain from the sun, wear a hat, wear a sunscreen, don't really show your, your face to the sun, then I guess you can have a bit more of a, um, I guess, more aggressive treatment plan and really help to get rid of all the pigment. Yeah. I think otherwise it's just, you know, if you've got some big splotches that you want a little bit more evened out, then, you know, that can absolutely be an option 
But um, I think if you're going to be someone who's sitting in the sun, you're not going to have to be, yeah. You can't really expect to be completely clear of pigment. Yeah. Because it's going to come back. Um, And I guess that's when it comes to melasma, for an example, because melasma is a hormonal-based pigment. Okay. um, And melasma is also triggered by heat. So I have a lot of clients that are like, oh, in the winter, my skin's, you know, my pigment's a little bit better, but I go out in the sun, I go for a run, and I come back and my skin's so much darker. And that's also because melasma has that underlying vascularity to it as well. Mm-hmm. So flushing of the blood vessels is going to make the pigment look darker as well. Okay. Melasma hates heat, obviously, so it hates a lot of lasers. So if you're going to go do a big laser treatment, it will probably look good for a little while. Then you're going to go back up in the sun. It's going to rebound. It's going to look worse. Yeah. Same thing with those like Cosmolan and Dermolan mm-hmm. peels. Um, I say to clients, like, if you're getting married with a big event, go for it, do what you want. Like I don't perform most treatments. That's just my personal thing. There's a lot of people who do. Your skin will look great, but then you're going to go back out in the sun and it's going to come back 10 times worse. It gets worse. It does, yeah. And I've had like, you know, I had a client like literally last week say to me, she's like, oh yeah, I got it done. My skin was flawless and now it's back. And I'm like, let's talk about realistic expectations. (laughs) I'm like, it's going to come back. It's melasma and whether you're on the pill, off the pill, pregnant, breastfeeding, going through menopause, like it's all going to affect your melasma. Yeah. Um, some people do find coming off the pill, the melasma become better. Mm. Um, finishing breastfeeding or, you know, finishing pregnancy. Yeah, finishing pregnancy. Great way of saying that. Birthing. Yeah. Birthing <laughs> the child. <laughs> Completing your pregnancy. Completing your time. Congratulations <laughs> on your birth. Um, that can also help with the triggering of the hormone response to melasma. So I think melasma, my biggest thing is that it is 100% management. It's not going to be a cure. Okay. Um, so it's about helping with the flushing, you know, helping with the vasodilation. It's also yeah. then helping with the pigment. And it's about using proper tyrosinase inhibitors. So vitamin C does something, but you need something that's going to actually help with the under portion of the skin, so the actual cellular mm. capacity where, you know, we're having new cells turn into pigment rather than becoming a clear skin cell. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of look a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, and so obviously prones for triggers, I guess, when it comes to that is being really careful in the sun with melasma. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last one's PIH. So there's two different, like your post-inflammatory responses after breakouts. You've got PIH, which is post-inflammatory hyperpigment. Then you've got PIE, which is post-inflammatory erythema. So erythema is just redness and a bit of inflammation. Um, so I think when it comes to triggers, like try not to pick too much. Um, but then again, if you're having like nodular and cystic acne, then it's just the whole anatomy of the situation, like the follicles being ruptured, it's being damaged. So you're going to be more prone to having, you know, an inflammatory response from mm-hmm. that. And inflammation, our body's just trying to heal itself. And that's how it causes hyperpigmentation okay, okay. Um, as well. And I think with all of it is sunscreen. If you've got some active hyperpigment from a breakout, yep. put sunscreen on because the sun's just going to make it so much darker and make it worse. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and I always say, say to people when they get to your PIH, I'm like, it's fine. There are things that we can do. Don't yeah. stress too much. There are things that we can do to help with that. Yeah. Um, so out of all the pigments, I think like between sun damage and then PIH, PIA, there's, you know, a bit more room for movement mm. rather than what you've got with melasma. So melasma, there's definitely a form of acceptance. I think so. Yeah. And, and, managing, yeah, no, <laughs> and long-term know. management throughout your entire life. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as a person who has melasma, um, <laughs> is something that you accepted and realised that inflammation you need to be mindful exactly. of yeah. through life, mm-hmm. both dietary-wise and in life. Yes. With what you're doing, <laughs> sleep and foods. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think it is. And, you know, find a, find a wonderful skin therapist who can support you. And yeah. those type of serums that we've used together, mm. yeah, they're game changers. Yeah, 
They are good. It's just that mm. it's looking at things a little bit differently and understanding, I guess, more the anatomy and of what's actually happening a little bit deeper, yeah. especially with pigment. Because there's so much to it, especially melasma. Melasma is just the different mm. inflammation factors and the pigment side yeah. of things. Like, it's huge. And yeah. everyone has different aggravating factors. And yes. I think once you start to learn them, you don't become as frustrated when it flares up. Yeah. Because you go, oh, I understand why that happened. I've had a stressful period in my life. Or yes. maybe I haven't had enough sleep. Or yeah. maybe I have been out in the sun a little bit too much. <laughs> so, you know, learning how to accept it and how to manage it. I guess it's the yeah. same with, like, rosacea. Same thing. Yeah. There's different things that trigger rosacea. Yeah. yeah. And the same things with, um, like, acne too. And, yeah, for sure. You know, Sometimes it's a nice it. reminder in a weird about way. But it is a reminder of, you know, when you're looking after yourself, usually these skin conditions have calmed down. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, you're, when yeah. you're in a good balance in life, you go, oh, you know, you reflect and say, oh, everything's actually really calm. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. And the body tells us in different ways, hey, I'm not coping. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what's going on? Why is my skin flat up again? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, Leah, a buzz phrase for decades is anti-aging. <laughs> <laughs> when should we begin to prevent aging and what ways can we do this? Um, so it's a little bit of a depressing one from the age of 25. We saw we produce less and less collagen and elastin, <laughs> especially as women, because we have a lot more hormonal things that happen. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got clients, I even look at like my mom and like, you know, relatives and it was like, one day I woke up and my face just lost all its elasticity. Oh. And it's just like, you look at obviously like perimenopausal and menopause and that's just things that unfortunately happen. So yeah, from 25 is when things start to slowly decline. I had a doctor once tell me, he's like, you're good until 31 and you've missed your peak. And I was like, great. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, cheese. <laughs> so he said 31. He was saying 31. Yeah, a few more years. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he said 31, that's when you're at your peak and everything starts to decline. He's like, fertility, everything starts to decline. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, cool. So I've got till April. Um, yeah, I yeah. live my best life until April. Thank and you. After the countdown to it. <laughs> but I was like, cheese. Thanks for that. So I think when it comes to anti-aging, I think one massive thing is obviously sun protection. In yeah. Australia, the sun is so harsh. Yeah. Um, not only is the sunscreen good for anti-aging, you know, 80% of aging comes from the sun and sun damage itself. Um, also good to prevent things like skin cancer. Melanoma yeah. is one of, you know, a large cause of death in Australia. So, you know, sunscreen is a bit of a no-brainer there. Mm. Um, so I think importance of learning about sun protection at a young age is really important when it comes to anti-aging. And then once again, it comes to the products, like using good quality products that are not stripping your skin of its, like its natural oils. You want things going to help retain the natural like, hydration in your skin. Yeah. Um, you know, things like hyaluronic, like a good hyaluronic acid is really important with that because hyaluronic is naturally occurring within our body yeah. and it holds a thousand times its own weight in water. Yeah. So if you're using a good quality hyaluronic acid, it's going to actually absorb deeper into the skin. It's going to drag water to it. It's going to keep the skin nice and hydrated. Mm -hmm. And that then when your skin's hydrated, it doesn't look as lined. It looks more vibrant. Um, so I think that's, you know, they're all the things when you're thinking about anti-aging, um, just kind of ways to start mm -hmm. preventative um, and I think, yeah, it comes down to a lot of what we're putting in our skin, putting in our bodies, yeah, yeah. Um, looking at ourselves that way. And, like, I guess another thing is everyone's unique and different. So yeah. you can't follow what your friend does. You can't follow the person you see on socials, what they're using either, because everyone responds in different ways. Definitely. Mm. And earlier you start, the better. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you look back and say, thanks, mum, for putting me in the rashy. 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for doing that. Maybe I should have done that until 25. Maybe we should still be wearing our Maybe should we should be still wearing our rashes. Next summer, so we don't Bondi my rash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a trend. We'll start it. We'll start it. Bring it out now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So let's touch on Botox. Mm-hmm. So can Botox, PDO threading, and fillers be used in a conservative and preventative way? Yeah. And once you begin, do you need to continue with Botox? Um, okay, so I'm just going to talk about Botox collectively just as anti-wrinkle injections. Okay. okay. Um, just because there's different types of anti-wrinkle injections. There's different brands. Right. And I just know for when I put things on socials, I have to label them as anti-wrinkle. Oh, actually, that's probably a good yeah. point. So Botox is a type of anti-wrinkle. anti-wrinkle. Yeah. So anti-wrinkle injection is actually the umbrella and yes. Botox is one type and there's, and there's other, other types. Okay, yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Yes, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah because, know. Um, yes. and it's actually good because when I have consultations with clients, I'm talking about anti-wrinkle injections. I'm like, do you know which ones you've had in the past? They're like, oh, no idea. So there are different types. There's, I mean, they all kind of do a similar thing. They just work a little bit differently. Okay. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know from, like, I know my marketing purposes, I have to be, I have to say anti-wrinkle. Like, I can't yeah. exactly turn around and say Botox. But okay, right. um, conservatively, yes. Preventatively, yes. So I'm really, really a lot natural when it comes to my approach with anti-wrinkle, dermal filler, anything to do with, I guess, anti-aging itself yeah. um i believe in enhancing what you've naturally got rather than the more beautification like obviously lip filler is always going to be more beautification than what a lot of other things are okay. um but you know you're not going to um you, like you won't be seeing like a 23 or 25 year old with me getting cheeks done and things like that like i need a little bit of an underlying like therapeutic reason why you're needing filler or anti okay. injections okay. so when it comes to prevention the way it kind of begins with anti-wrinkle is I knew it for myself. So I was putting makeup on and I'm like, oh, my makeup's getting stuck in these lines on my forehead. Yeah. And then you look genetically, you look at your mum and your dad and you're like, they've got lots of lines on their forehead. So yeah. that's when it comes prevention. So prevention is going to help with your static lines. That's resting lines. It's not going to help with your dynamic expression. Okay. So dynamic expression is when you move. So when you frown, when you raise your eyebrows high, when you smile. Okay. So, and everyone has dynamic expression like i'm a bit of a weirdo like you know when nurses love veins it's like you'd be good to cannulate yeah like yeah. i look at my dogs and they like move their little eyebrows i'm like look how cute little corrugated muscles are so and i had someone actually the other day come in saying that they don't like when they move their eyebrows they notice these lines and they move their eyebrows oh, okay. and i'm like that's dynamic expression like yeah. Babies will have it. Kids will have it. Like Botox, theoretically, yes. Anti-wrinkle, yes, does help with that. It's putting the muscle to rest over a period of time. Mm. But that's not the real indication. You're using it for your static resting lines. So that's when it's prevention. That's good to know. Mm. That is good to know because with those dynamic yes. lines or expressions, that that's part of how you express that's yourself, exactly. right? Part of your personality. Yeah. 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 So even if you were to use an anti-wrinkle injection, in some form, I'm not probably not going to use the right terminology here. Wouldn't it wear off quicker because of the overuse of that? Or not really? Um, drug life typically is three to four months, so yeah, some okay. people metabolize it quicker than others. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's more. It's. I don't know if it would wear. I don't think it would wear off quicker if it you're just, a bit stronger there. It just the would it whole, feel strange because it's a dynamic movement rather than. Um, it just because it's stopping that muscular like the synapses to your yeah. muscles, so you're not getting that electrical pulse to contract that muscle. So you yeah. think you're doing it, but you're not. 
Yeah, that would be yeah. a weird feeling. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it's like, uh, you don't really notice that once it's there, you think that you're doing stuff, but you're not really. Yeah. Right. But I think like for an example, like frown lines, people don't really notice the frown situation. It's more yeah. when you're doing the top of the forehead. So the yeah. frontalis, that some people notice that sometimes they can feel heavy or they're not lifting their eyebrows as high. So that's when it's a conservative approach Yeah. because okay. you want people to still have that bit of expression. Like, yeah. okay. you know, you don't want, you know, it depends on your job too. Like if you're a teacher and you can't create expression to a child and tell them how you're feeling, mm. well then, you know, you're not going to get a response, are you? So it's about kind yeah. of picking the person. And I love just looking at people's natural expression. So, you know, some people don't use their eyebrows as much as others. So mm. it's like, well, if you haven't got the anatomy there, like if you've got no resting lines, I don't need to do as much there. I don't even have to do it at all. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because it's just preserving you know, their natural expression rather yeah. than if you've got the resting lines, that's different. That's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, but... um. That's fascinating. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I do... I love treating with injectables because there's just so many ways that you can treat things. And, you know, you've got all your medical reasons as well. Like, you mm. know, you've got your clenching, like your TMJ. So, yeah. jaw clenching, teeth grinding, things like that. You can yeah. inject into the masseter muscle. It yeah. helps with that. You know, you migraines. can do migraines, excessive yeah. sweating. Yeah. Like my grandmother had it in her bladder for, like, urinary incontinence and things like that too. Um, so there's so many, and that's why I say to clients that get worried about anti-wrinkle and like the amount you use cosmetically is so minimal to the amount that we use medically. Yeah. Like so in someone's, you know, massive muscle, you're putting like nearly half a vial of, you know, anti-wrinkle in there rather than what you'd be using tiny amounts tiny, tiny. elsewhere. Yeah. yeah okay. So I think it's kind of like the taboo behind, oh my God, is it bad for you? It's like we've been using it medically for, for a long time. Heaps longer than what we've been using it cosmetically. Yeah. So yeah. you know that. You know, it's not like it's creating yeah. any problems. Yeah. Um, and then filler, obviously, I think everyone just knows filler is lip filler because it's just had a really bad rap for a really long time and that yeah. kind of pillowy, overfilled face. And mm. I think, once again, it's just going to an injector that you trust that's not going to overfill you, tell you when to stop. Yeah. Um, in terms of prevention when it comes to filler, um, yes, you can more to when you have signs of ageing. So, you know, if you're starting, like, the way that we age, it's, there's so many different things that happen to our skin, mm-hmm. lose elasticity, our ligaments, you know, stretch, our fat pads start to slide down, there's bone reabsorption. Like, yeah. the amount of times you ask someone, do you have all your teeth? And like, oh, no, I've got this missing there. I'm like, well, that's why your jaw is different to one side than the other. Yeah. You know, my mm-hmm. front tooth sticks forward. That's what, you know, that's why your lips are uneven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many things. Structural. There's so many factors. Mm-hmm. So I guess in terms of, you know, filler-wise, yes, you can use it structurally to re-support facial structure, mm-hmm. which in turn will make things look, you know, more i guess in place what they used to mm. look like back in the day filler's not going to lift your face that's a facelift yeah um yeah okay. so it's more about placing it in certain areas to give the illusion um and then i guess pdo threading has become it's kind of turned itself back around it was quite popular years and years ago yeah um but it's really come back over the past couple of years now so it's basically just like a little suture that you use for internal stitching um, you inject or you inject it into the dermal tissue and then basically you build a collagen matrix around that thread. Once the thread dissolves, after three months you've had this new build up of collagen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's thickening the dermal tissue. Um, so that's mainly more like when I use PDO threads is more for that crepey, loose skin okay. to bring that kind of support back. So more tone? Yeah, more tone and more just, I guess, um, like, yeah, thickening skin tissue. And texture? And texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So more okay. crepey, loose skin texture. Yeah. That's what PDO threading can help with. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, and then, oh, 
Last part, once you begin, do you need to continue? No. Um, with mm-hmm. anti-wrinkle, once it wears off, it's gone. Don't have to stress about it. Yeah. Filler, filler lasts a lot longer than what I think people realise. Like you can go get an MRI and I would guarantee you five, ten years later, there's still remnants really? of there. Really? There's yeah. heaps of studies being done now oh, yes. um, that people get an MRI done, they can see remnants of filler kind of sticking around in areas. Oh, okay. Like it does, but there are different types of filler. It depends on how they're cross-linked with hyaluronics. That's typically the type of filler we use mm. now. So there's yeah. different chains. So some are shorter, so they're thicker, some are longer, some are more manoeuvrable. Yes. Um, so your thicker ones tend to stick around a little bit longer than your thinner ones. So yeah, there's a lot of saying like don't inject as early as you think you need to so you're like oh i'm going to see my my cheeks aren't as you know volumized they were you know if they're coming back within that 12 months and maybe reconsider because you don't want to be overfilling 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 okay yeah yeah but once again like with the um filler i guess like a nice thing around it is that you can dissolve it so say okay. you hated it or it's you still you felt like it was there years down the track you can inject it with highlays um so basically it's an enzyme that helps eat away the filler okay, okay. yeah which is nice because at least you know you, you can know get rid of it, it. Yeah. and then at least if you had a medical emergency you can get rid of filler too so okay, that's good yeah. to know yeah, yeah. Lots of options there. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Long questions. Long questions. No, Sorry, guys. So interesting. I love it. <laughs> so, Leah, we understand that you encourage treating skin externally as well as internally. Mm-hmm. How have you noticed outcomes for clients with this approach? Um, I feel like the results, yes, they're better, but they're also more sustainable. Yeah. So it's not so much just a Band-Aid approach. Um, you're looking at exactly what triggers and factors are causing, you know, whatever condition you've got going on with your skin. Um, so whether it's being inflammatory conditions like your acne, psoriasis, eczema, you know, mm-hmm. um, or melasma and things like that. So you're actually looking at what's going on internally in the body um, and that's going to reflect on the skin. And I find that people then have a better understanding of their body. Like I remember having a client once that um, when I got all these blood tests done, you know, doctors like, no, all good, everything's within the, you know, the lines. And when I did some more studies with, I think it was like a naturopath or something, and she noted, like, they noticed that she had really high cortisol and testosterone. Okay. And oh. she also had a histamine allergy. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. So she just knows herself. strong. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's like yeah. anything to do with acne, it's all there. Yeah. So she just knows herself that if she has too much histamine or she's too stressed that her skin's going to flare up. So at yeah. least you can tr- you can identify your triggers. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess you can work. You know your body better. Exactly. And I think it's so – and I think that's something that's nice that's happening nowadays, I've noticed, especially, like, us growing up, there was no talk. Like, Mm. you know, there's no talk about knowing better what's going with your body. It was like, here's the pill, enjoy it for the next 14 years and deal with whatever happens afterwards. Mm. Like, I think it's it's nice that people can – I'm wanting to learn more about their bodies and triggers. Like, I think Mm. that's actually, you know, a really big testament to us moving, I guess, along as, like, a society. And as women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's almost non-negotiable now. It is. we learn about ourselves. Yeah. About our hormones. And I think we've all come to that point of we know that we deserve that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think in the clinic we're seeing more and more young women coming in saying, I want to be off the pill. I don't know why I'm on it. Wow. I want to start regulating my hormones. I want to fix my skin holistically. Yeah. So I think it's a there. really great movement. Yeah. yeah. Direction. Yeah. So good. And that's why it's hard when you see people that feel like they're just at that giving up breaking point with their skin. Mm. And it's just like, <sighs> go do other factors. Like, yeah. you know, of recommending you guys, like, or just going back to your doctor and getting bloods and then having it re-looked at by, you know, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Just because, then, yeah, you don't want to just go back to your doctor and they're like, here's a pill, enjoy it, or here's some Maracatane, enjoy it. And, like, mm. obviously there's probably some conditions that that's maybe your only 
Yeah, but, but yeah, that's why it's there. But that's, that's why it's there. But yeah, it's like you it know, plays, it if does you, play a role. it does absolutely. Yeah. And that's where medicine always plays a role. Mm, exactly. But I think yeah. um, it's it's good to explore all the avenues rather than just continuously going back on the same thing yeah, and definitely. doing the same thing. Because there's obviously something underlining mm. that hasn't been identified yet. Most yes. definitely, and a second opinion is always yeah, so worthwhile. always yeah. yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And finally, Leah, to finish mm-hmm. off today. What is your number one skincare tip? Um, I don't know if it's like, I feel like it's probably, you know, what I've really touched on the whole time. It's like, love yourself. Don't be too critical on yourself. Um, what did I write here? This is a bit long-winded, but I feel like it sums up everything. It's pores don't open and close. Years of sun damage don't go away in a month. Acne can be difficult. Everyone is different and unique and you need to treat your skin the exact same way. Wear sunscreen, always take your makeup off, wash your pillowcases, wipe down your phone screen, stop picking and stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Yeah, I love that. Everyone's unique and I think everyone needs to remember that. That we all need to be treated differently. It's all about looking at everyone as an individual and picking what's right for them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, great. Yeah, right. there, Leah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much <laughs> Thank for coming Thank you so in. much for having me. It's been Thank so you. fun to chat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always. You're a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. I try to. You guys I too, my you. God. I mind your brains all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned a lot. So yes, thank you so too. much for the chat. Yeah, Thank pleasure. you so much, Leah. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take the time to like, share, and review. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.